What is up? What is good? How you living? How you feeling? How you doing? I'm going to be honest with everybody out there. There's a lot of stuff going on right now. The NBA, as we record this, about a week away from the playing games. I even heard a little birdie told me the NHL playoffs are starting soon. NBA, I mean, it's going to be crazy, but the NFL, they just wrapped up the draft, and I don't think the hype's ever been higher. I mean, we got Aaron Rodgers fighting with people, and then, you know, there's baseball. But other than that, my life is crazy, too. I'm getting married in about two weeks. Uh, I'm moving all over the country. Life doesn't make sense. I just had my birthday, and David Engber showered, shaved, and is ready to be on the podcast, not just for the end, but the whole damn time. Is your world as crazy as mine right now, David Amber? Yeah, and by the way, the fact that you commented on the fact that I'm very like showered and cleanly Ooh, for this, clean. just it goes to show you the difference of effort that I put in when I know I'm going to be on the podcast the whole time versus when I'm just sort of lurking in the background. I got a collared shirt on. I'm sitting with my proper lighting. I'm doing all those things. This is for you, Lefko. Happy birthday, I by the way. I appreciate it. Oh, thanks, bro. Oh, it's like, if you see me on TNT Tuesdays and then see me in the TNT Tuesday meeting on Friday. <laughs> I... I look like a hobbit that is just seeing sunlight for the first time. Um, Man, so we were texting before and you were like, there's so many things to talk about. I'm going to give you free reign of all the topics, which was the one that you were like, I actually want to talk about this first. Like, I want to get it out of the way. Well, you brought up Elon Musk on Saturday Night Live, which was just like the talk of the internet for, I guess, three straight weeks. And then, I mean, it was like, it was moving crypto markets. It was... right. It, it was it was one of the crazier internet things. And you know, uh, uh, for me, as someone that just loves comedy, has, has written comedy things, has worked with a bunch of people on SNL. I, I've I worked in the this. same offices as an SNL people under Lauren Michaels. I've worked very closely. Yeah. So uh, I follow all the SNL storylines as closely as possible. And there's there's a few different categories of hosts that are very intriguing. The number one category for me is like, this person easily could have been a cast member. That's like when Steve Carell mm. is the host or Jonah Hill is the host. Like I know Michael uh, Keegan Key is hosting soon and I'll be like, oh, that'll be fun. Like that's going to be a great time. Right. He can do characters. He can read cute cards. I'm sure he's pitching sketches. And then there's a completely separate category that's like, I have no idea how any of this is going to go. And that's the Elon Musk, Donald Trump category of like, okay, you find out they're hosting Peyton Manning category and some of them nail it. Yeah, where do you put Barkley? Yeah, like Barkley is just funny. Yeah. Oh, Barkley's hilarious. He's he, he's not someone that could have been a cast member, but his force of personality is so right in the pocket of who right. you want as a really famous person on the show. Now, there that's another like sort of binary category for the hosts is are you always aware that they are more famous than the show versus are right. they just fitting right in? So again, like Jonah Peyton Manning in an outfit or Charles Barkley in an outfit, you're like, oh my God, they're wearing an outfit and their sheer presence yes. is yes. the rock or something like that. Yes, or like when Betty White is the host, right? Anything that she does, it's so funny because it's, oh my God, it's 95-year-old Betty White willing to do this crazy thing on a live sketch show. It's amazing, right? Is there anyone else in that Elon Musk category other than Trump? Like, I know there there has to be. Uh, Well, there are some some actors that have come on where... Uh, it, usually it's someone that's not from the acting world, right? So when J.J. Watt is the host, and you've seen a lot of his personality, mm. but you've never seen him like do comedy, 
right? Right. If Blake Griffin hosted, he'd be in the Chuck category of he's going to do a great You're job. Right. He's going to be funny. He's yeah. legit funny. He has natural timing and presence. Yeah. I remember when Ronda Rousey hosted, I was like, hmm, I wonder how she's going to do. I've never seen her <laughs> do anything remotely close to this. She was fine. She was she was very good. Uh, Elon Musk, as you can imagine, uh, he, he gave that admission during the monologue that he was the first host with Asperger's, which I thought was a very mm -hmm. brave thing to say uh, on national TV. Um, he's not an actor. He's someone that's been in the public quite a lot, but reading cue cards is very difficult while also dealing with costumes and timing. And uh, yes. they, they probably change the script 40 times during the commercial break. That's that's very difficult to do. So just the fact that he did it is impressive, but uh, no, he was not on my list of top hundred favorite hosts that I've ever seen. Yeah. That was a really good setup. Now let's just talk about it. He started and I was like, as he's talking, I can see the words of the jokes that someone wrote for him. <laughs> You know what I mean? And then for me, I was like, okay, you know what? He's handling this well. Didn't really understand the whole OJ thing. Like the, like we're, we're working out OJ material right, right now, whatever. Right. But I thought the fact that he couldn't even have what seemed to be a loving mother-son moment was my favorite part of it, mm -hmm. where it was like, even if my mom was up there and our timing was bad, we look at each other and hug each other afterwards and be like, what the hell was that? But it was like, <laughs> mm, boom, I'm sorry. Um, I that that cold open I'm was so over I'm, to just have like what'd you say the, the cold open with all the moms was yeah. unbelievable to watch because they were just adding so many variables to the timing of that sketch they were like all right cut to camera two all right it's this person and her mom all right now you guys read these three lines of the cue cards all right cut to camera three because yeah. this person and his mom all right now move this person back to camera two it, that was just so many things happening and I, I really enjoyed that they went for it I'm I'm so done with the Doge thing. And I'm not talking about Dogecoin if you're invested in it. Like, I hope it keeps going up and all that stuff. But like, I think it's just that the only thing that people say is they just yell the name of it. Mm -hmm. And and so I enjoyed the Michael Shea. One thing I like that's underrated about SNL is that Colin Jost and Michael Shea, I feel like they don't know the jokes uh, that the other person is going to say. Mm. It just feels the most authentic part of that show. And I enjoyed them going back and forth and be like, what is it? Um, but overall, I just, it, it felt like one of those like car crashes where I was like, I'm just going to keep watching this because I, it was the worst kind of content from this. I wanted it to be really bad and it was only kind of bad. Exactly. And like, I'm with you on that. And you either need to be amazing or really bad. And that was just like, eh. And that's why, I, I don't know, which is worse to me. This does happen in sports a lot when, uh, you know, like when, when James Harden gets traded to the Nets and we're like, oh man, they're either going to go 72 and 0 or they're going to be a train wreck and not be able to win a right. single game. And instead they're like a very good three seed or two seed. And it's like, all right, well, yeah. you know, <laughs> it, it wasn't either extreme. And that's almost like disappointing for our hyperbolic sports fan sen uh, sentiments. All right. We're going to talk NBA now because you just transitioned into it. Unless you have anything else on Elon. But <laughs> no, just that uh, if you're, as you know, uh, my, my feelings on crypto are the same as my feelings on poker, where don't put so much money in that you're going to be pulling your hair out if you lose it, but put yourself in a position that you could win a certain amount of money that, uh, that, that may be life-changing. And also, just like a poker table, you can walk away when you need to. If you turn $300 into $350 and that's a cool amount of money, pull it out and be happy with it. And I'd also say it went through the same thing that sports cards went through. In the anticipation of Elon Musk going on, it went up huge. After he went on, it dropped about 40%. Mm -hmm. And so it's the same thing that we talked about on different card interviews I've been. 
if you got a Josh Allen card, because I know we might talk like some uh, some futures with NFL later, and he's having a surprise MVP season, don't wait until after the Chiefs game to sell when he loses and the price goes down. That's the time to sell when you're thinking, what if he beats Patrick Mahomes? Because if it's an unlikely scenario, guess what? It's unlikely that's going to happen. So I just thought it was interesting too the run up to Elon. Like it was ever going to live up to it in all of these cases. Potential is so sexy. That's why rookie cards for LaMelo ball and rookie cards, you know, like uh, there, there are certain guys NFL futures right now. You know what I mean? After the draft, when it's like, oh, this kid could be. No, he's not. He's going to be very average. Right. And so what you want to do is, you you know, you get the really sexy rookie card. Everyone's thinking, oh, my God, this guy's going to be the next Larry Bird, the next LeBron James. And three or four years in, he's a very good baseball player or a very good basketball player, but not necessarily like, you know, going to keep skyrocketing up the way uh, the, the value was in the lead up to that. I'm first using game. this to transition to a different topic, actually, which is going to be the Eagles giants and this new rivalry that I'm really fucking excited. About. I want to hear about I say this, yes. new because it's fresh. So, and I, Gabe, if you want to come on <laughs> uh, right now, I'm inviting you on the podcast Resident uh, giants for the fan. giants perspective. Cowboys had the 10th pick. Giants had the 11th pick. Eagles had the 12th pick because two corners went at eight and nine and surprised everybody. Wide receivers fell. Devontae Smith available there at 10. The Eagles trade with the Cowboys, which is just unheard of, jumping the Giants to take Devontae Smith. The Giants then trade back with the Bears to 20, where they take or they they take uh, Kadarius Toney, wide receiver out of Florida, pick up a pick next year. The fact that on my birthday, I get an alert that says that Eagle uh, Giants front office furious that the Eagles traded ahead of them to take Devontae Smith. You want to talk about potential? It's uh, this kid hasn't even played. And I'm like, oh, my God, he's a legend. And the fact that the Cowboys said, and I agree with them, I'd rather this guy go to the Eagles with a coach that has been sputtering in press conferences, an unfounded quarterback still, and a, and a, a roster that has yet to show the ability to develop a wide receiver. When's the last time the Eagles drafted a wide receiver and they ended up really being something? Jalen Rager next year? J- Jeremy Macklin? I mean, that was, that was Andy Reid. So, like, I get it. I get the Cowboys rather the Eagles having than the Giants, but the fact that they're stewing about it makes me so happy. One, because angry people do dumb things. Vindictive people lose focus and start trying, oh, the Eagles want them. Oh, we're going to sign them. Like I'm waiting to see what the revenge is going to be. Very excited about that. Also, it just gives me a rational confidence of the guy, you know, because if I'm going to be honest about Eagles fans, we've heard about our draft picks like Jalen Rager. We really valued him highly. And we think other people wanted to draft him in the first round, even though everyone's coming out and saying they didn't want him. It's very nice to have a guy that other people are like, damn it. We've all had that fantasy draft. Mm -hmm. where like that third round. You take DK Metcalf and like three people go, damn man. Like I thought he was going to fall to me. That's just no better feeling. And so Gabe, I don't, I don't know if you're able to come on, but just, I wanted to know what it was like to hear that, uh, to feel that. I guess you could just speak too, but I'd love to hear it. Yes. Oh, okay. I'm okay. going to say, first of all, what's up, everybody? When Carolina took the corner, I thought for sure the Giants were going to get Horn, him. Yeah. Jason Horn, yeah. Jason Horn, because I knew Denver was going to take a receiver, 
and I knew Dallas wasn't going to take a receiver. When I saw Philly was trading up and I knew it was Dallas's pick, it <laughs> broke my heart. And all I'll say is I hope Devontae Smith averages 200-plus yards against Dallas and under 50 against everybody else in the league. Did you, you saw the video of the Giants fan punching the wall of the stairwell? Seen it all. Ingber, have you seen that video? Have you seen that video? No, I have not. Okay. It is an all-time moment of I can never live that life. It is a Giants fan standing up, punching the wall of a divider of a stairwell and putting a hole in it. But for me, my favorite part is it looks like his wife, his girlfriend, his fiance, somebody jumps up, runs over to him, straightens out her back and goes, get upstairs right now, get upstairs. And what made me laugh so much about it was, does this guy often punch walls and get sent into timeout by his wife? <laughs> like, is this a thing that happens? I was just, my, my, my reaction, like to, to be taught. Oh, I was just so fascinated at their whole relationship. I was like, this isn't going to work, but it also just embodied giants fans, Gabe. And it, it made me, it's making me feel great. I want a week one matchup. I will say that Sunday night football week one Eagles giants and just let it just we, start, we off, start it. off early. Schedule comes out Wednesday night, 8 p.m. So you want first week Giants-Eagles, James Bradbury guarding Devontae Smith. That's what you want. Yep. Just all the smoke. Start off the season. I know we always start against Dallas, but I can, I can skip another year. Does this make you like Kadarius Tony less, knowing that the team really wanted Devontae Smith? If they didn't trade, if they didn't make that trade, then yes. But the fact that they got a one out of it and we have two yes. ones for next year – makes it okay but man it hurts it hurts because the dream scenario texted you the night of the draft i told you it was like the biggie smalls just creeping up from behind when you go to get that wine like they just slipped <laughs> right in front of them i i i think the dream of a trade like this is always like five ten years from now i'm watching a game on fox and Joe Buck is like, let's take a look at that draft from 2021 and look at the returns. And it's like Devontae Smith, future Hall of Famer, Kadarius Tony hasn't played in six years. Oh, no. And that first round pick was used on a kicker. You're like, that's the dream after the trade. Oh, he's shaking his head. I love it. Okay. No, this is all I needed. See, this is making me feel great right now. Thanks, Gabe. It's good. It makes the rivalry a little better. I still hate the Eagles and I hate Dallas just as much. But man, that was... That was a guy. Is there a way to engineer future divisional rivals picking three picks in a row in the first round again? Like it really did make it spicy. I gotta say, when you're looking at the mock drafts and you're like, oh, Cowboys, Giants, Eagles right in a row, and they're all vying for they're all gonna be playing each other twice a year. Like you you just want you want that to happen more. I don't know how the stars align mm -hmm. to make that happen more, but I don't know if there's some some shenanigans that can happen in the NFL front office to make the numbers uh, sort of fake. Everyone ends up with the same records, right? They're all six and ten. They're all seven and yeah. nine. Just, just well, the reason this happened, and I think what what I love about it is a Giants fan would go, "Oh, well, at least we got a first round pick out of it," and what I would say is, "So did we." Don't forget, we were picking number six, mm -hmm. and we traded with the Dolphins at twelve, picked up a first. So we got the first and Devontae Smith, which I, I just, mm. and, and you know what is so big? Remember the end of the year when the Eagles threw that game and didn't play Jalen Hurts? Remember that? 
and they put in Nick Sudfeld, Nate Sudfeld, and they ended up having a worse record to fall to six. And everybody said, oh, and, and it was all Giants fans. Remember, it was Joe Judge. And Joe Judge was like, oh, I don't play that way. I don't disrespect the game. Well, guess what? That loss gave us the sixth pick instead of the ninth pick, which was enough to get the first round pick and still move up and get Devontae Smith. So you can keep your hold. This is how you operate because now we have Devontae Smith. And that's the reason. It's the same reason that the Giants beat Washington two years ago and it cost them Chase Young. Who the hell are you doing this for? For what? To go six instead of seven, five and 11? I didn't even want to go on this rant. Giants, I don't even want to help Dave Gettleman. But you're angry. Oh, Gabe, I didn't mean to bring you on for this. This was rude and I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but do you agree with me though as a Giants fan like oh what's up? I do I do I do agree okay. with you but it was definitely it just it definitely spurs up the the, the rivalry more for sure and and really you, know, you guys you guys made that trade which is great but man it, like the fact that to your example you lose Chase Young and then you think you have Devontae Smith in the yeah. palm of your hands and then Howie just creeps up from behind you know what just occurred it's, to me please it, it's like with the with the players you know I grew up in Boston and I grew up with Boston history and I grew up with mm. thinking about Boston and all the guys that betrayed us and all the guys that were heroes for us. And then you sign certain players and they don't give a crap, right? You sign Manny Ramirez. He's like, I don't know about the Boston history. I'm from the Dominican Republic. I'm or Johnny Damon goes to the Yanks. Yeah. And so it, it's almost like over the course of your life as becoming an adult is synonymous with figuring out that the players themselves don't actually bleed for the team that you love so yeah. much. And that's a, that's a very like in, intimidating thing to learn as an adult. But when you're a young player and you get embroiled in some trades and you're thinking, Oh, this team didn't want me. Oh, this team traded up so that they couldn't take me or this team traded up so they could have. Then all of a sudden, Devontae Smith, Kadarius, Tony, these guys now have some serious investment in hatred of the other teams in the division. And I think that that's pretty exciting, too. It's it also, man, just hangs over their head. It, J.J. Ortega Whiteside will not be used in a sentence after his career is over unless D.K. Metcalf is in that sentence. Right. Jalen Rager, every sentence that he's in, now I still think he can have a good career. Justin Jefferson. I could say Justin Jefferson. And so now Devontae Smith and Gadarius Tony are forever entwined. Uh, and of course, look, I'm being cocky right now. Like, who the hell knows? Yeah, right. Like, like, because you're talking potential a, and potential is Yeah, we're talking potential again. We're talking, we're talking a whole lot of things that haven't happened yet. And and it's that's the reason sports are great. It's the reason why excitement is always peak a week before the season when you're finally drafting your fantasy team because everyone thinks their fantasy team is going to be great and everyone thinks that their players are underrated and it's just, it's a blast. Uh, in the NBA, let's talk a little M MVP talk because yep. I know we had that on the list as well. Um, I just want to hear first your evolution of who should get the award throughout the year. Mm -hmm. Like, have you gone through different stages? Yeah. Uh, I, I really enjoy when people take uh, someone's seasons that they're happening right now and they say, that's the same as when he won the MVP in this year. So why doesn't he get the MVP this year? As if like context has no bearing. They're like, look, at Steph, Curry's Steph. Yeah. Steph Curry's numbers are incredible this year. Same numbers he had in 2015. Why isn't he the MVP? Because his team is going to win 35 games instead of 72 yeah. games. I'm sorry. It's different. Yeah. Right. So yeah. that whole argument is completely stupid to me. I also think that uh, who was it on this podcast that said the best abil ability is availability. Right. That is never oh, more. A lot of people. Sorry. Yeah. 
I, I feel like a, a good amount of people have said it. It's it's never. I'll give more you the credit. You said it this season. It's never more true than this season, right? Where I'm looking at the top people that could potentially be included in the MVP discussion. Yeah. Jokic has played 68 out of 68 games. That matters <laughs> so much. Now, if Embiid had played 63 out of 68 games so far. That's one thing. Then you can put them on par because anyone can take a couple of nights yes. off. Maybe it's even better for his team. He's missed, he's missed what, 17 or something like that? So he has, uh, Embiid, I got the numbers here, he's 49 out of 68. In a 72-game season, that is a big 19. chunk of the season, right? I'm looking at yeah, the... like, I was I was all over James Harden because he didn't miss any games with Houston, didn't miss any games with Brooklyn, but then he's last, missed the last two months. I'm sorry. Like, you're not, you're not a part of this anymore. Right, and we're talking about value to your team. We're not talking about the player that you would choose in the Space Jam scenario. We're talking about who gave the most value to their team, which includes being there for a lot of games to add value. You and I are in agreement. Shaq always argues it should be called the baddest motherfucker on the planet award. And I said, okay, then you create a, a, an award yes. called the baddest motherfucker on the planet because this is the most valuable player. And I would agree with you from scheduling to this point and the reason it's magnified this year. There is an average of about three and a half games a week. It is up because they've been having to jam these games in late. Absolutely. Secondly, there have been players to miss an insane amount of time based on COVID. And so teams have been shut down for a week, two weeks. Uh, when you also, I mean, you have teams like Dallas, people forget the entire electric grid of Texas shut down. They didn't play for a week and a half. Right. Toronto is in Tampa Bay playing their home games. And through all of this, the man, and through all the pitfalls, Michael Porter Jr. had COVID on his team. They were missing a ton of players. Uh, there's been, they lose Jamal Murray. He hasn't missed a game. And they are going to get home court advantage in the Western Conference. In a, in a Western Conference where you have the Lakers at seven, the Mavericks at five, like I, I am in agreement because more than ever consistency and availability in this season. And I agree with you. It really matters to me because it, it it's about value and it's there every night. Right. And, and you alluded to this with the Shaq thing that there should just be a different award, right? So, so the name of the award does matter, right? It's not the most valuable rookie. It's rookie of the year. So when I look back, who was the rookie of this year? It was LaMelo Ball. I don't care if he missed 25 games. I don't care if he missed another 30 games, right? Like he was the rookie of this year. There is no one that can argue. I don't care how many, you know, uh, mm. you know, 40 point games uh, Edwards has in garbage time yeah. in Minnesota. The rookie of this year was LaMelo Ball throwing 80 foot passes and, you know, keeping Charlotte. But see, now you're getting into, which is my favorite story and narrative, mm -hmm. which is if we were going to chronicle the 2021 season, which is what a lot of these awards are for by a face who was the face of this season. And that's interesting too. And it still might be Jokic. Yeah, actually I would, I would agree that uh, he probably would win both, but if you wanted to say like most outstanding player when he was on the court, whatever shortened version of that is, <laughs> it's probably Embiid, right? Yeah. Embiid as a two way force was just dominant defensively, offensively, that team was clicking. Uh, you know. I heard I heard a Philadelphia writer, I told you, I was trying to argue in my own head for Embiid this weekend because I do believe this. I do believe that if the Sixers played the Nuggets in a seven-game series, Embiid would dominate him in four of those games and Jokic would take one or two. I just think that if those two met head-to-head -head with their legacies on the line, I believe that Embiid is too much for Jokic. It's, he's athletic enough and he's bigger than him. Like, it's just a lot. 
But I will say this. I saw somebody say without Embiid, the Sixers are like nine and nine. And with him, they're great. And I go, well, guess what the Nuggets record is without Jokic? It didn't happen. Zero and zero. And so like, I don't like that as a benefit for Embiid to show how bad the team is. If Jokic didn't play for the Nuggets, they would probably not win a game. You know what I mean? So it's like, I don't, that's not an advantage to show me that without James Harden, the Nets are actually nine and 10. It's like, okay, well, sh- that means he missed 19 motherfucking games. And that's a lot. Yeah. I mean, Tom Brady was suspended in a short first, season. Tom Brady was suspended for the first four games of a season and the team went three and one. Does that mean, you know, so like they won 75% of their games without him. He's won about 75% of his games for his career. Right. Does that mean that he's, the team is just as good with it? No, it's like they happen to win those particular games. I do enjoy it. When someone goes out, I think uh, the team, I think the the Jazz this year are like significantly better or about the same when Donovan Mitchell goes out, which as just mm. sort of a hey, you want to you want to look at those numbers twice and when you're when you're thinking right. of Donovan Mitchell for All NBA or whatever, it it is the, interesting, but it's mostly confirmation bias. If you want to believe yeah. that the Warriors are trash without Steph Curry, it's yeah. true the numbers bear it out. But there's a lot of times when those numbers are just kind of statistical noise, and sometimes uh, a second team you know can play well for three or four games and win games that doesn't necessarily say anything about the broader circumstances of the team. The most interesting argument is the Chris Paul argument mm-hmm. because uh, Jokic is below Embiid in points, but. I mean, he's he's damn near averaging double-digit assists, and Embiid's not anywhere close to that. So I think I give the edge there. And his effective uh, field Steph goal. Curry, I agree with you. He's down there at ten in the tenth seed right now. Actually, I think he is in the eighth seed, which means it would be Warriors Lakers in the play-in game. Which sign me up. That's going to be incredible. Yeah. Um, but the argument for CP3 as the one seed. Um, I've heard people say, well, they won. They went eight. No, in the bubble, there were already signs. This wasn't, you know, just a team that couldn't play Um, to it. it, it, It's finally the year where Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook are getting a lot of positive praise. These are both guys that were seen as, yeah, that's fine, but they're going to lose in the playoffs. Oh, they're tyrants. Oh, they're assholes. Chris Paul went to the Suns or the first place in the West. Westbrook went to the Wizards, and other than starting 3-15 and to start the season, they've been like a top-five record in the East the rest of the way. And he's brought fight to a franchise that was was doing nothing. They were picked to finish last, and now they're in it. So um, as he ties Oscar Robertson's uh, record for triple-doubles in a career with 181, but like it, I'm glad that Chris Paul is getting a lot of attention. Uh, and I'm glad Russell Westbrook's getting a lot of positive attention, but like, I don't know. This is why I'm rooting for the Suns because I know the Celtics have no. He's chance. the second best player on his team. Oh, so I, I'm not necessarily saying Chris Paul is the MVP, I, as you yeah, know, yeah, Jokic yeah. is the MVP. Uh, but I want the Suns to win the title this year because. Chris Paul is in that make or break one ring could change everything legacy situation. Think about Charles Barkley, Harden, Westbrook, Patrick Ewing, right? Like certain guys that we would think about so differently if they just had one ring. Dirk Nowitzki, he wins one ring. We think about him entirely differently. Totally. Dan Marino, if he had won one ring at some point, you know, we think about him much more like John Elway than we do think about him in that sort of like lower tier category. Drew Brees, he got one ring. How differently would we think about him if all those playoff losses and he still didn't have a Super Bowl ring, right? Man, the Suns and Chris Paul have this great season, and then they have to play the Lakers in the first round. Like, get that. Like, can you, like, that's crazy. But I'll be rooting bro. for them. You know, you, the, yeah. the Lakers are my least favorite team. It's them and the Yankees are my least favorite teams in sports. So I'm always rooting against Franchises? them. Franchises? 
franchise. Oh, because you're Celtics and Red Sox. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. If I had to pick um, my finals. Oh, and it's just the, the, here you have the Suns are going to get the Lakers and the Bucks right now looking like they're going to get the Heat in the <laughs> Which, first round. Which that's not a picnic that in the first them. round. Oh, Bam out of Bio is like the worst matchup for Giannis ever. They're like this. There's like one of one. Giannis is a one of one, and then Bam's like, "Hey, I'm younger, I'm more athletic, and I'm actually a lot hardcore than you. Like I'm ten times more badass than you." Um, if I had to pick my finals right now, I would go. Damn, I would go Lakers Nets. Yeah, I really would. Yeah, because you'll feel stupid when it is that, and you're like, I should have. I had all the data in front. It's of also me. what I want to see. Like, I'm a Sixers fan. I love to see the Sixers there, but like from an entertainment perspective, like Nets Lakers is a joy, just a joy. People use that gun to your head argument all the time, right? Like, if you had yeah. to pick, right? If you had to pick a Super Bowl winner this year, you're picking the Chiefs because Patrick Mahomes, last time I checked, is on the Chiefs. That's Okay. I want your I want your gut reaction to what I'm about to read mm. to you. This is breaking as we're recording. Oh wow! The Jaguars are planning to sign quarterback turn tight end Tim Tebow to a one year deal. Nothing done yet, but I'll have a chance to make the team to reunite with his mentor and college head coach Urban Meyer. What do you think? What's your What's your gut reaction? My gut is that it's really insulting that they didn't say former double a baseball standout tim tebow they called him mm. former quarterback turned tight end um no I, I i i look it's it's strange when uh NFL... i don't want to root against tim tebow ingber of course because like he has every right to pers- to pursue this i'm just so tired and it's it, it's not on him it's just about everything no when he signed with the triple a mets or the single a mets whatever it was we were saying oh this is a a floundering uh minor league team that's doing its best to sell tickets and i think minor league teams should do stuff like that they should take flyers on celebrities because selling tickets to a single a or double a baseball team is fun like it's a it's a good thing and it doesn't affect yeah. the premium product uh up at the top levels when the jaguars do it uh, it's they must have seen something, right? They must have seen something in a tryout that he had, or they talked to some coaches that said that this guy still has some life left. This can't just be an oddity. You can't spare a roster spot uh, for someone that doesn't have a and legit chance. Th- so this is the question, because the first thing that I just thought of was what the Miami Heat are doing right now with Udonis Haslam. Udonis Haslam was on the roster, but he's practically a coach. He never plays. He's in the locker room and he's helping the guys out. And he's, he's re- they're really using him as another coach. And I'm wondering if Urban's sitting there and he's like, you know what I need to get this thing right is when we're in mini camps and when we're in training camps that I'm going to have Tim Tebow out there giving some speeches. And I'm wondering if he's like, I don't know if he's going to make the team. And maybe I use a practice squad if, if he, that's what he wants but maybe I'm just using them for inspiration and motivation and knowing that Tim Tebow's going to be out there giving it his all and setting the tone for everybody else. That's what I'm thinking because either that or like urban owes him something, you know what I mean? Like he, he really owes him a favor. I just, I don't know. It just feels like a lot. Well, just think about your own work life. If you have a boss that you really admire and this person puts in the work and has been leading the team to all sorts of victories around the, the, the business and, you know, started new TV shows that are succeeding and that person gives a speech and you're like, hell yeah, I'm hanging on every word versus getting the speech from someone that hasn't been at the business in five years and uh, by all accounts, isn't necessarily going to be a top performer, even if he does barely make the squad. And then that person gives a speech. 
right? You, you and I have talked about this before. When someone kind of yeah. oversteps their boundaries and gives you- but That's why you got to do it in minicamp because everybody's a grunt in minicamp. <laughs> He's not doing it in week 16. That would be fucking nuts. I'm just saying to all the like 21-year-old interns out there, don't oh, gather yeah. the troops at a, at a corporate office building and be like, here's what we need, guys. Like, you're not the person in the position to be making this speech. I don't care how inspiring it is. I don't care if you've got the Winston Churchill vocal cords. You need to hold off and wait till you're- earning the stripes of being the person to give the speech. One of my favorite moments at Bleacher Report, and there have been many, is back when we had interns before all of the COVID stuff and everything. It was, it was years ago. They each gave a presentation at the end. And I was in there because they were in our department and all that stuff. And I'm just listening and supporting and all that. And you know, one person goes up and they actually talked about like when they went out drinking with somebody. And I was like, that's a dumb thing to say. Like, shouldn't have said that. But then the last, one of the last guys goes up there and shredded everybody. Like I'm talking about like a red X on the face of an employee and was like, this person, frankly, isn't good at their job. And I honestly don't think they're a good manager. And it was like, it was like when you write a text or an email and then you delete it, yeah, you're you're like, send that's it. ridiculous. That man hit sent. And I remember I'm in the back and I, I don't work with that. I'm not getting reviewed or anything like that. And I am dying laughing. And it was, you know, he didn't get a job offer, but man, did his conscience feel clear. And yeah, I think, I think you're right. There's when you're younger, you should do a lot of listening. And you should do a lot of your talking in private meetings to really gain people's trust. Last thing you want to do is go out there and just let it rip. But it was fun to watch. Ingrid. Look, Damn. yeah. If, if it, I remember like certain celebrities when they've had their, their run while people are like, that person needs to calm down, whether it's, uh, you know, Charlie Sheen or Justin Bieber, they have like these runs through their celebrity where they're like doing yeah. crazy things and in the news and people are like that person was wild. I just, I love reading about it as long as they're personally okay. I just want to read about it. Right. But I, I, as long as they're not hurting people, then of course that's different. But like, I, I just want to learn about it and read about it and see crazy things. Cause that's one of the reasons why we follow celebrity culture anyway. Speaking of which Jake Paul and Floyd Mayweather, mm. I couldn't like, I, I took an interpretation of film class in college and while it was great at learning about great directors and storytelling mechanisms, the one thing that it really messed me up with is I have a hard time watching movies now without analyzing them. Okay. I pick up on foreshadowing really well. I understand framing a lot more on what the director's trying to get. And frankly, it's ruined a lot of endings of movies because I'm now aware very, very uh, acutely of things that used to be subtle to me. The same thing has happened to me in media because I've been in media and I've done everything from internet to TV, to radio, to local, to all this stuff. I understand how the sausage is made. Yes. And so it really hurts my heart when Jake Paul grabs Floyd Mayweather's hat and says, got your hat and then runs away. And my Instagram feed has to be filled with Bleacher Report and Sports Center and ESPN and all of these places. I've never seen Floyd Mayweather this angry. The fight is on. And I'm like, I just look, man, I'm down to be entertained. 
but I'm not down to watch a puppet show and then for you to tell me that it's a real big event in Vegas. It's not like I'm just, it's such a joke and it's so corny. And the only way that I'm going to be fulfilled is if one of them gets knocked out. And of course, I'm going to watch it. I'm not going to get on this soapbox and say, I'm not going to take part in this. I don't want to take part in the bullshit hype. I'm down to watch it. I am intrigued by it. I am not thinking about Jake Paul. I want Will Floyd Mayweather really lean into one and knock him out. It's the bullshit beforehand, Ingver, that I'm just like, I can't fall for it anymore, man. By the way, if you've seen like Floyd Mayweather's last few fights, he might not do the knockout. He might just do the I you know. can't hit me thing for 12 rounds and just kind of get just he's he's just going to calculate things at a thousand, you know, uh, light light years per second. And I just, just know just that punches. Those little gentle punches, I don't want to say gentle, the normal punches that Mayweather has landed in these last few. He's unhittable. Jake Paul's never felt that. This is what we need. To, he has fought a basketball player and a fat UFC fighter. That's not real life. <laughs> like those jabs, like normal jabs from Floyd, we don't know what Jake's chin is like. We have no idea. But I will say Jake is phenomenal at riling people up and getting people angry. And I appreciate when there are people in life that are okay with being hated because those are hard roles to enjoy. Yeah. Not saying that it makes you special, not saying that it makes you great, but it's good to have a bad guy. And he likes being the bad guy. My issue is with the dumb media, Ingber. And I just, that's my only thing. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff in this world that the thing didn't piss you off. It's the fact that everyone cared that it was a thing yes. that pissed you off. People don't hate LeBron. They hate that when LeBron is on, everybody's talking about him. You know what I mean? Like they. <sighs> yeah. There, there's, there are certain celebrities that I'm not going to name, but that like, I just don't care about. And I, I almost wish people Can would we just... play 20 questions. <laughs> um, you know, I, no, not on, not on air. Oh, <laughs> you must really not like them. Yeah. Uh, don't like what he does or stands for or any of his art. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll tell you after. Um, but, uh, you know, when you hate Banksy, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why is this guy making parody of amusement parks? Amusement parks should be taken seriously. I didn't like that. Um, no, I, I wish that everyone else didn't care as much as I didn't care because then the antics wouldn't rate, right? Mm. And, and especially mm. when I believe uh, certain antics do actually hurt people and groups of people. Yeah. I, uh, so I'm thinking, so now we're talking about feuds and things getting a lot of attention. It's, you know, but this is what happens. Like I, I get callous and I get tired too. And I'm thinking about Aaron Rodgers, and I'm, it, it's taken a lot of effort for me right now to not turn on Aaron Rodgers. And I'm not saying that I'm taking the side of the Packers. I'm just, you know, when you have to keep hearing about it, that's what I'm saying. People don't hate LeBron. They hate that people are always talking about LeBron and then they get tired of him and thus they hate him. And I'm trying not to let that happen with me and Aaron Rodgers because it's every time I put on ESPN, it's another story. Oh, he wants Brian Gutenkus fired. Oh, they did him wrong. And it's just everybody's saying that they've disrespected him. And I'm like, they completely rebuilt the defense. Like they, they, they've, 
They've won 13 and three the last two years. And while Aaron Rodgers was MVP last year, he was not MVP the year before. And that defense carried them all the way there until Aaron Rodgers did nothing in the playoffs and lost. So like, I'm trying hard not to turn on him, Ingber. I actually wanted to ask you about Aaron Rodgers because when that news broke, you were on the draft show and you had so much business to get accomplished on air. Picks were coming in every five minutes. You couldn't actually just sit there and opine about Aaron Rodgers. But I wanted to ask you, A, did you want the chance to just speak your mind about Aaron Rodgers and everything you've been thinking? But also, B, uh, when when you have the platform that you have and you have been the players podcast and you've talked and you, you've talked to yeah. various, various uh, NFL players over the years and you've taken the side of the player. Do you then feel a pressure to feel a certain way when a news story like this breaks, given your historical precedent? Like, or do you try to find ways? No, because I because my issue is there is another historical precedent that Aaron Rodgers will never want to admit and players don't want to hear about it. But the drafting of Jordan Love made him a better player. It did. It's the same reason that Alex Smith threw for over 4,000 yards and had the best year of his career when they drafted Patrick Mahomes. And I don't know how he did, but I bet your ass that Tom Brady had a hell of a year when they drafted Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm almost positive because there's motivation that comes with that. Could they have gotten him more weapons and could they have done a better job? Sure. I still believe that Aaron Rodgers' big issue right now is he's looking at his offensive line and he's going, all of these guys are newer in the last two years. I don't see Corey Lindsay, David Bakhtiari is coming off of an ACL. I think that there's a lot more of that. Now, did he is is did he make Robert Tanyan great or is Robert Tanyan a good prospect? Did he make Alan Lazard a real threat or is Alan Lazard a good prospect? I don't know how Aaron Rodgers feels about that. I don't know if he looks at that offense and he's like, y'all don't really realize how much of this is me. And I believe a lot of it is him. But I also think Devontae Adams is a top five wide receiver in the NFL. And so in terms of your question, do I feel the need or the pressure? I do believe that the big issue that Green Bay did and the thing that I agree with Aaron Rodgers on is that how do you move up to take a quarterback and not tell Aaron what you're doing? And I agree with that. Uh, It's the same reason that Tom Brady and Bill Belichick started flaming out and he went to Tampa. So we have a precedent with that too. But I don't... I think that they should have said something and I get it. Uh, The fact that it's reported, the fact that it came out because Adam Schefter put it out that day was a big relief for me. I thought originally this was Aaron going, hey, last draft they fucked me, this draft I'm going to fuck them. That's what I thought it was. And to be honest, I thought it was a cold move. I appreciated it. I liked the story. Um, I just... I know what Aaron Rodgers has to do now. Like if he doesn't sit out, then all of this was nonsense and a waste of our time. But if he really feels that way, we are not seeing him this season. And I don't well, we'll think see him on jeopardy. And I, to that point, I don't think at this age, you have the availability to sit out. Yeah, you don't have that year. much time. Right. It, you're getting that much closer to 40. But, um, yeah, I just, I get, I don't get tired of the athlete. I get tired of the conversations from the humans next to the athlete. So here, here's the way to handle it. Then if you're ever running an NFL team, because they had the choice to trade up and draft Jordan love, who they thought was the correct value at that moment, or draft a wide receiver 
and potentially not motivate and get, you know, the, the motivated, angry Aaron Rodgers that we saw last year when he won the MVP. So the, here's the way to get the best of both worlds. You just tell Aaron Rodgers or leak it to the media. We wanted to trade up and draft Jordan Love, but we like Aaron Rodgers so much. We didn't want to draft a guy that was going to take his job within two years. So we decided to take the wide receiver. That's what you tell him. That way he's angry and motivated that they thought Jordan Love would take his job within two years and they get a first round talent wide receiver out of it. Mm. That's the way to handle mm. it. What do you think? Oh man, that's petty. And that's effective. <laughs> I think um, you, just, you let it leak that there's conversations like we wanted to take Jordan Love, but we just, we didn't want to see him throwing bullets in practice. So that you Aaron get Rogers the motivation that. without actually taking, without it. giving up your first round spot on a quarterback. That's not going to see the field. I just think also that people need to realize that two years ago, we were talking about the decline of Aaron Rodgers. This is how convinced I was. And he proved me wrong. He proved everybody else wrong. I didn't have the Packers making the playoffs. Remember, they were my number one regression team. They were really good in one score games. They had a huge amount of turnovers that didn't seem reliable. And the offense couldn't move. And, and I, I, it's like when, when I hear people and they're, they're talking about, like I heard Gandhi was under attack recently because whatever. We do like some revisionist history and stuff. But like to get upset at Brian Gutenkust for drafting a quarterback after the season two years ago because of what Aaron Rodgers did last season is unfair. He was trying to run a franchise. He just didn't call the man. But it's, it's hard to call your girl and say, Hey, I'm going to dinner with somebody next week. I don't know if this is working out, <laughs> but like, I just, I just want to go and see, like, see if there's sparks. I just want to see if there's sparks and if there's not, I'm back. But if there is, you know, we'll get you a new lease. It's going to be tough, but I don't, what do you feel? Like, how do you feel? Do you feel like Aaron Rodgers has the right to, I mean, he really can do whatever he wants, man. Uh, I do think that sometimes I've been brainwashed as a, as a sports fan my entire life to, to think certain things that it wasn't until pretty recently that I started thinking, wait, why do I care if the ownership loses a hundred million dollars next year because of something, something with ticket tech. sales? Like I, yeah. I care about the players far more, but at the same time, I'm, I'm a Red Sox fan. I'm a Patriots fan. I stop rooting for Kyle Van Noy when he's no longer on the Patriots. And then I start rooting for him again when he's on the Patriots. So sure. you're in this kind of weird place where you only root for them when you're on their, when they're on your team. So it, it is strange, but uh, ultimately it would be hypocritical of me uh, with, with all the things that I believe about uh, laborers rights, you know, and, and, mm. and workers rights to not also extend that to people who happen to be making a lot of money doing a valuable skill playing in the NFL. Right. Like if Aaron Rodgers has the skill to go elsewhere and to fulfill his um, his professional destiny and to have a, a a better Adam Grantian work life, then he should be free to do so. And yes. I should applaud him. So it's like I don't exactly know how I feel about this because I don't have all the information. There might be information coming out about this for the next five years. For all we know, they might make a, a 30 for 30 about this, I'm, I'm sure, in 10 years. But while not knowing what all the key writing on the wall was and how this all came about. It just seems to me that based on what my philosophies are in life, it would be hypocritical not to be on Aaron Rodgers side. I agree. And I think as I talk about it more with you, um, it is crazy how history repeats itself. Mm. Colts getting Peyton Manning injury. They get Andrew Luck and it's a pretty seamless transition. And it's a very, you know, I feel like Peyton Manning left on good terms with the Colts before he went to the Broncos. And the fact that they did Rodgers the same way they did Favre 
is just, you know, it, it, it kind of shows you because, because there is no owner there. Yeah. There is no Arthur blank to call in Matt Ryan and sit down father, son and go, how you feeling? Like how many more years do we have? Cause you know, that happened, you know, there, there is no coach or, or, or owner to sit down. And I, I, I think also like to think that Aaron Rodgers would play his entire career in green Bay would be naive. It would be naive. And I just, I really hope that he's down and that he's about that action. Because if Aaron Rodgers is about that action, next year's NFL season is going to be wild. Brady in Tampa, Stafford in LA. I mean, Rodgers, if Rodgers is in Denver, I, I need to paint this picture. If Rodgers is in Denver, you are having Patrick Mahomes versus Aaron Rodgers twice. You are having Aaron Rodgers versus Justin Herbert twice. John Gruden versus Aaron Rodgers twice. Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers tears, tear, tore up the Raiders every single time they played. But if Aaron Rodgers goes to Denver with Mike Munchak as his offensive line coach, with Pat Shermer as his OC who works great with vets and has Jerry Judy, uh, uh, KJ Hamler, um, Noah Fant at tight end, they get Corlin Sutton back. And you got Von Miller on the other side and, and Vic Fangio's defense after they stole Fuller in the offseason. Like those Broncos Chiefs games are going to be amazing. And I'm very curious if when the NFL schedule comes out on Wednesday, do they schedule some late season Broncos Chiefs primetime games going just in case right. we got Rodgers Mahomes. That gets me really, really excited because the AFC West is insane. And if you add Aaron Rodgers to the mix, good night. That would be incredible. That really would be incredible. Would the Broncos have the second or third best quarterback in the division with Justin Herbert? Second, because Justin Herbert's not there yet. <laughs> I was kind of making a joke. Yeah, yeah, no, no, but I like, look, if you put Justin Herbert and Aaron Rodgers in training camp, you would leave and go, man, Roger's command is amazing, but that Herbert motherfucker. He's got some weird that, things that he can do that no one else on the planet can do. It's, it's, you know, it's, I would love to talk NFL futures if you have them up in front of you right now, because it's sort of like what we saw from Josh Allen last year. You know, you, you, I remember in the beginning of last year, I was like, he's turning the ball over too much, but man, when it's good, nobody does that shit. It's like, it's like a Clydesdale. Yeah. I mean, speaking of futures, when, uh, when those rumors were circulating, if you had gotten the Broncos to win the Super Bowl next year, you could have gotten it at plus 3,300 the day before the first round of the NFL draft. Stop. Then the rumors came out. It went down to plus 2000. Then the rumors got serious and it went down to plus 1200 at one point. I mean, wow. it was just really, really low. Now it's kind of re-leveled out as things often do. It's at plus 2200, but still plus 2200 versus plus 3300. And again, nothing's happened. We don't even know if Aaron Rodgers is going to leave the Packers, let alone be traded at all. Um, so, uh, so we don't know where. Love that. But yeah, that. The, I, I like tracking numbers when stories like that. That's, that's uh, often the first thing that I do when I get that Bleacher Report notification on my phone, like Aaron Rodgers might get traded to the Broncos. I go right to, to you know, my, my, my chosen bookie yeah. online to find out yeah. what the odds are going to be. So the favorite for the Super Bowl, I would imagine, is the Bucks. Chiefs. What are they? Plus what? Plus 525, followed by the Bucks, okay. plus 650. So they're about, they're approximately equal. They're co-favorites, you call it. So that makes sense. Who is three? Mm. 
You want to take a guess? My, the first thought I had was the Bills. Um, Bills are I, a short just after third place. They're in fourth. They're in fourth. Um, it's a team you've mentioned already it, on this podcast. Uh, uh, not the Raiders or the Chargers. Packers? No, the Packers are actually okay. like kind of far down. I was surprised. They probably went down with the Rodgers news. Yeah, the Packers are plus 1,700. They're in eighth. All right, so who's the team? Who's three? The Rams. Oh, right. what are they at? Plus what? Plus 1,300. So they're, you know, about like the Vegas is saying it's about twice as likely the Buccaneers win versus the Rams. Uh, if you're just it is spicy numbers. with that team because it's just, you want to talk about potential like we started off. Matt Stafford plus Sean McVay. Like we really need to just say that out loud. Like Sean McVay has an offense that he was able to come in in his first year with Jared Goff and take them to the Super Bowl. And Jared Goff simply executed it. So what happens if Stafford really executes it? And you really can't say that a vet can't go in in year one because we just saw Brady do it. Right. And yeah, there will be some rough spots in the beginning. And I bet you, just like the Bucks lost to the Saints in week one, week one could be rough for the Rams. But Aaron Donald's going to get you the ball back. Jalen Ramsey's going to get you the ball back. And Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, like, that's... Come on, Cam Akers, like that's real. Like Sean McVay and Stafford could really be scary next season. And Matt Stafford's on that Chris Paul list of man, if he won a ring, oh my God, just the way we would think about Matt Stafford differently compared to how we think about him now. Now he's like, yeah, he throws for 5,000 yards, but so what? But if he wins a ring this year or next year or the following year, he's in a completely different discussion in the way we think about his career. Even more so because people will go, what were you, you you thought he was going to win with the Lions? It's like the franchise he left also adds more validity to he just needed to leave there. Yeah. He was stuck there. Like, man, if Calvin Johnson um, had just gone to some other franchise, he'd have two rings by now. Yeah. Who, what are the odds for the Ravens and the Browns? So the Ravens are just down further a little bit. So it goes Chiefs, Bucks, they're the co favorites, followed by Rams, Bills, as we talked about. Then it goes 49ers, then Ravens are uh, both around 1,500, plus 1,500. And what are the Browns? Just after a plus 1,600. I mean, I'm not ready to say the Browns are going to win the Super Bowl, but like the Browns are better than the Steelers. Mm -hmm. And the Browns, with the defense that they put together, I just don't think people realize that like, hold on. I literally brought this out just to talk about the Browns. I know we need to wrap soon. But they went out there and they have... Miles Garrett, Jadavian Clowney with Malik Jackson in the middle. They signed Andrew Bill. Like their D line is so scary right it now. Like and I just don't think anyone's talking about it. Yeah. And if this Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa kid, the linebacker out of Notre Dame, and linebackers can adjust very quickly to the NFL, it's read and react. Of course, some teams are going to take advantage of them being aggressive. But if if he goes in there, they added some secondary guys. That offensive line is top three in the NFL. They didn't have Nick Chubb for like nine games last year. Like anyone that drafted Nick Chubb knows this. Like if Nick Chubb is healthy, they still got Odell and Jar. Like I just, the Browns are a team right now that I would want to see what their futures are to win the division. I would want to see because I, I'm getting hot and heavy with the Browns right now. 
Uh, and they were the team that I think Warren Sharp was talking about how once they lost Odell, they learned how to play without Odell and kind of improved some of the packages that they were throwing on the field. So maybe this is the year. They went into the lab for the second half of last year, figuring out, okay, what do we do when we don't have Odell on the field? How does that change the complexion of what sort of plays we want to uh, to call, what sort yeah. of packages we want to throw out there? And then we can add Odell and his speed and creativity to the mix. Maybe they're even better. Who knows? The other team that I'm really not sure about is the Cardinals because there's just so much excitement there. But Ingber, it was fun to chat as always. Gabe, thank you for coming on uh, for David Ingber. As you get closer and closer to your wedding, there are going to be people that are going to ask, how can I help? Figure out some task, even if it's a BS task, to allow them to help. Oh, I really need you to come up with a song list. I need you to come up with a, a menu of songs for me. Oh, I need you to be out there and make sure that the tables are all the correct you know, distance apart for COVID protocol. Come up with something so that they can help, so that they feel like they are helping. It will, it will make them feel good and it will get them off of your back as you're getting busy. What's the most random task you assign somebody? Uh, it wasn't random. It was actually helpful, but um, there was a, a, a friend of mine's new wife was asking how she could help, and she just kind of like followed the uh, the florist uh, around and said like, "Here, I can pick these. I can put these flowers in this vase and put it over here and arrange them slightly." And like, they looked really beautiful. It was a real. It was a, a genuine gift to us the day of the wedding. Mm. But it was like otherwise we would have had nothing for her to do. It's almost insulting to be like, "No, we need you to stand in the corner and not help us." You know. Hmm. Yeah, like at my friend's wedding, I picked up some chairs. You know what I mean? Move, exactly. Move the chairs. I had some friends pick up. We we got mac and cheese from a separate vendor from the rest of our food because we wanted this specific mac and cheese. So two yeah, of my yeah, friends yeah. went to this place, picked up the mac and cheese and brought it. And I was like, that's my gift. You don't even have to get it. Where is the mac and cheese from? Uh, it's from this random grocery store in Harlem that has like a barbecue joint in the back. Best market. What's Shop- it called? Best Give them market. props. Best market on 118th Street. That's incredible. See, that's bigger. We just learned if you're looking for good mac and cheese and you're in Uptown, New York, 118 <laughs> in Harlem, best markets mac and cheese. Oh, I love that. I am the L-E-F-K-O-E, man. And we will holla, holla, holla at you later. Peace. Peace.